work for all my life And I had to start again With just my children and my wife I thank my lucky stars To be living here today Cause the flag still stands for freedom And they can't take that away And I'm proud to be an American Where at least I know I'm free And I won't forget the men who died Who gave that right to me And I gladly stand up next to you And defend her still today Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land God bless the USA Or as uh, they say on The Simpsons If you don't buy my record Then Al-Qaeda wins I think we're on we're rolling. I guess we are on. Okay. Well, that last uh, bit of programming threw us all for a loop. That was a uh, recreation, I think, of the hot dog eating contest somewhere. Recorded in, in the bottom of an empty swimming pool. Sounded like it. Anyway, uh, welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim DeWire. And a strange, strange week uh, watching the British... Uh, political system collapse um of course what's interesting about british politics by the way is that uh, they have a winner-take-all system so the percentage of votes that fringe parties get usually doesn't yield to much actual power in the parliament so uh even in cameron's uh, last election which was a little over a year ago he only gained three points in the, in the, in the voting but uh the big uh, casualty or the big loser was uh were the Liberal Democrats and the Labor Party, because the Labor Party lost votes to the Scottish Nationalists. And now what we're seeing with the with the Brexit is not so much a uh, leaving of the economic union, because that still seems to be in a bit of limbo, but we're seeing a Shakespearean tragedy farce unfolding within the Conservative Party. Uh, you wonder if they're when they're going to run out of bodies. Uh, and, of course, the shadow labor government has had its own uh, turmoil, and Jeremy Corbyn looks like he's finished, uh, as he doesn't appear to be the, quote, leader to lead labor into the next elections. And it seems quite clear to me that Great Britain needs elections before they move forward on this so-called Brexit, because... Well, especially since that, A... It was a non-binding referendum, and B, it's now emerging that, what did you say, only 22% of those voting actually understood what they were voting for? Sure. And, of course, it's now emerged that many of the uh, tactics used by the Leave campaign were, were, were false promises. For instance, it's it's there was a claim that, that— Some people maybe were mistaken and thought it was a Mountain Dew commercial. Yeah, or as I jokingly uh, wrote my parents in a letter that the problem with the Leave campaign was that it was it was invented by a scribe that was involved in the building of Stonehenge. When they finally got the, the big rock up on top, he came up with the magical slogan, Remain! 
So the leader of the Druids probably came up with the Remain slogan, and of course, political problems galore with that. You know, it's interesting, just uh, several months ago in, in France, um, and of course, Marine Le Pen is trying to profit from this uh Well, she's chiming in with Gingrich and Trump and other fools saying that this represents a step towards freedom for the British people from the oppressive restraints of the European Union. Uh, okay. Well, right. I mean, these abstract... Countries are already free and yeah, sovereign. And they are sovereign, and that's the sovereignty argument. I, I never quite bought or understood how that would even work. Obviously, questions about the benefit of leaving the EU... Uh, simply were ne never uh, explored officially. I thought that, by the way, uh, over the weekend, uh, on the media had a very interesting segment on how the media in Britain helped uh, the Leave campaign, that virtually all the newspapers, um, particularly the Rupert Murdoch newspapers, uh, were in favor of this Leave. Boris Johnson is seems to be history now, and of course... It emerged that he was part of the original disinformation about the Leave campaign. The most amusing story being, of course, is that he made up a, uh, a story about the Italian rubber industry in decline because they were making condoms that were little. <laughs> and this was this this went back ten years ago. And I thought, well, what does Boris Johnson know about undersized condoms? <laughs> Or how is that indicative of uh, shrinkage in an economic standing? <laughs> I mean, the Italian rubber industry. What What is that? Well, and that sounds like an umbrella term for yeah. all industrial applications of, of rubber. But no, he's specifically talking about the condom industry. And then he had another uh, invented story about the EU uh, developing manure sniffers. Um this is Boris Johnson. He was the guy, the former mayor of London, who interjected himself into this uh, political campaign at the last second, mainly because it's emerged that he has been longtime rivals of David Cameron. By the way, it's it's worth noting, as was pointed out to me by a friend last week in very pithy terms, that the uh, mayor of London actually does less work than the queen. It's a primarily ceremonial function. Uh, the city is well run by uh, bureaus and administrations and councils and sure. so forth. It's an old, old city. The civil um, service, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so it's not like there's a lot of heavy lifting on that job, just a lot of jaw flapping. Yeah, and so the, there really were only three newspapers in all of Great Britain that supported remaining. Other myth, myths that were created were that double-decker buses would be banned by the EU. I don't know why they would uh, do that or care about the double-decker buses. The uh, London Underground Tube is... Everybody's going to have to have long bread like the French. Yeah. It's going to be crazy, man. I don't you, want that fascism. You're not going to be able to get uh, cheese at the cheese shop anymore. <laughs> do you have any cheese in this cheese shop this at all? The cleanest shop in the district, sir. <laughs> Certainly free of any cheese. So, yeah, manure sniffers uh, and the Italian rubber industry <laughs> aside, um, 
this uh, um, segment on uh, on National Public Radio had this very interesting factoid. Eighty-two percent of the newspaper articles were negative, according to uh, Martin Fletcher of the Times of London. So, you know, you, you basically had the Daily Telegraph, the Daily Mail, and the Sun. Uh, I believe the Sun is one of uh, Rupert Murdoch's... Uh, publications and the, the this was part of the disinformation campaign that alas worked and then of course uh, you even had an interesting segment about the Google trend analytics which is almost uh, kind of amusing in and of itself that there was this quote spike in people searching what is the EU <laughs> anyway We've never heard of it up here, according to the residents of a a, 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 a town up in the up in the Midlands uh, called Sunderland. And I thought, well, it's should have been named Blunderland. Uh, the British exit strikes me as an example of maybe a thousand lemmings getting ready to run for the hills. They don't know where they're going. Five hundred nineteen of them want to keep running. 481 are wondering, where are we going? And uh, two, one, says, one lemming says to the other, well, I think we might need a parachute. Do you have one? And the guy says, no, I gave it to Boris. The other one says, damn, I gave mine to Nick Farage. So they've got parachutes and the rest of Britain doesn't. So it just strikes me that there ought to be a complete, not do-over, but re-examination of what the British are actually doing. The markets, by the way, have by and large recovered, not the British pound, but the uh, big temporary crash in global markets uh, went back to normal. And if you look, for instance, at where the markets were compared to six weeks ago, they're actually up a bit. Now, the British pound is way down, and how that benefits Great Britain economically has never been made clear. Um, car manufacturing in Great Britain is, is uh, essentially luxury-oriented. There apparently is a uh, Nissan plant somewhere. Luxury cars typically have very stable sales year-to-year. Uh, uh, because the the people who buy those cars get them on a regular basis, get rid of the old ones, so there's not really much fall off in that industry. Yeah, Jeeves. Uh, go get the go get here the, and there. You know. Get the uh, get the get the Bentley out of the garage. Uh, Time what, to drive it off the cliff with the lemmings. <laughs> yes, with the lemmings. Uh, only 4% of the market, by the way, in the car market in Great Britain is this luxury market. So that's one interesting thing. But the idea that Great Britain is going to have a boom in manufacturing because the pound has uh, gone down, I think, is, is, is silly. Um, manufacturing plants are difficult to rebuild uh, once they've been moved into certain places. Uh, this is why I think a lot of Donald Trump's claims are, are fairly outrageous. And I guess I'll just close this segment by reading this. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them 
with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. That, of course, is actually the first paragraph of the Declaration of Independence. We're much more familiar with the following lines about the self-evident truths, the unalienable rights, written down by Thomas Jefferson, but it strikes me that the British have yet to declare the causes which impel them for the separation. <laughs> have it, they read the Declaration of Independence? Well, it's not required reading over there, of course, but... Uh, uh, it's not the center of international banking and finance. It's a very silly country. Yeah. Very naughty. Very naughty boy. They've been very naughty over there, and uh, one wonders what, what will happen with this uh, unbelievable turmoil going on within the labor and conservative uh, parties. Um, it doesn't strike me that either UKIP or the Greens or any of the fringe parties in Great Britain uh, would be uh, going anywhere soon. And it's rather unfortunate that the British don't have a second round of voting the way the French do. Uh, if you'll recall back in December when uh, Le Pen uh, looked appeared to be able to make gains in some of the regional elections, it never happened mm -hmm. because the second round of voting created a situation where um, the two major parties uh, joined forces to prevent uh, Le Pen from gaining any regional power. And it's interesting that the, while they got 40% in some of the regions and scored a 27.7% of the vote uh, nationwide, they were unable to actually gain control of any of the 13 regions in France. And interestingly, of course, back then, it was uh, Mr. Sarkozy, the former prime minister. Um, <clears throat> and I'm quoting here from a uh, column by Sylvia Kaufman from the 15th of December. She wrote, by allowing Ms. Le Pen, and this is Marine Le Pen, to set the agenda However, the Republicans, and this, this is the French Republicans, have lost their ideological footing. The day after the first round of elections on December 6th, a tense and desperate Mr. Sarkozy appeared on the evening news. He blamed the present government, uh, immigration, and the European Union's open border arrangements, and the, quote, disappearance of European civilization— anything but his leadership for his party's poor showing. Well, I don't know that there's been a disappearance of European civilization or any of those other things. Well, the Louvre still stands. But clearly, uh, the EU has uh, work to do, as the saying goes, and this kind of strange consensus or this theory that People aren't listening to us. This is, this is the justification for why people voted to leave. I, I, you know, it, it, what, what does that mean? I mean, the way you listen to voters is, is through the results of 
elections, parliamentary elections, and Britain does not have a referendum system that allows its laws to be uh, implemented. It has a parliamentary system. And par- Parliament, the British Parliament, should say, no, we're not going to leave. We've heard your voices. Uh, we're going to modify some things. But let's uh, forget it all happened. And uh, that would be fascinating to see if it did. Meanwhile, well, of course, there's still a pretty decent likelihood that that's what will happen. One of the big problems, of course, with the leadership vacuum that they keep talking about is what leader in Great Great Britain would want to preside over this impending disaster. It's sort of like, oh, Captain, we're headed to the iceberg. Why don't you take over the the steering wheel at the moment? So I've got to go. Uh, yeah, I've, then I I can be relieved of duty officially from running into that iceberg. Um. Which, of course, is why David Cameron said, well, I'm resigning. I can't preside over the decline of the British uh, economy. But even that was an over-hasty gesture, I think. Yeah. I mean, did he need to do that on that day, the the day after? I mean, everybody was shocked. It was just sort of like in a fit of pique. Well, he shouldn't have. He should have uh, waited, and obviously the official notification of leaving Article 50 has not been invoked. There are technical ways of getting out of this because you don't get in it. It's it's like a divorce situation with a married couple where one night somebody says, we're getting divorced, and then the next day they change their mind. Um, that's kind of what this is. Um, the immigration problems in Europe, by the way, related to, to Great Britain, seem to be focused on all of the Polish people. That seems to be the new uh, fear that many people in Great Britain have. But it's this strange dichotomy like America where some little town in South Carolina will have a big meeting about Syrian refugees, and there aren't any. Right. Um, The United States had made a commitment to allow 10,000 in. They've allowed 1,800 in. Um. There seems to be a lot of fear-mongering going on politically, globally, about um, many issues where, where, where facts are just kind of lost in the, in the wash, so to speak. Yes, the, uh, the migration problems and the refugee problems uh, in the third world are massive at the moment. Look at these horrendous uh, events in the last week in Istanbul and Baghdad. Bangladesh, these these bombings, ISIL is losing uh, more territory in the so-called Greater Levant. They're in decline, and yet Donald Trump would have you believe that the uh, that they're gaining. Well, they're desperate, and what their connection are to some of these actual incidents, I think, remains unclear. Well, the long-term benefits for the expansion of their imagined caliphate. Uh, by committing uh, increasingly large-scale and violent attacks in the Arab world seems like a a losing proposition. I mean, uh, of course, many of the victims, intended victims in Baghdad were Shia, but it's a mixed neighborhood. So if you're killing Sunni, uh, that doesn't win you any friends in that which you claim to advance the uh, goals of. And just one final comment about this 
sort of prediction about Britain's financial situation. I find it somewhat troubling. I, I realize that the British Central Bank uh, has probably done some things behind the scenes to stabilize the markets, quote-unquote, uh, never mind the fact that the pound is, has de- declined. Mark Carney, by the way, the governor of the Bank of England, which is sort of the equivalent of uh, the Federal Reserve, um, recently, as uh, recently as April, was talking about the Brexit upcoming vote because the campaign literally started in early April. Britain is smart in one regard. They only have campaigns for six weeks. They don't allow this uh, American system that goes on for two years. Two years. God. With even speculation now about 2020 mm-hmm. and the... Uh, demise of the of the Republican Party that seems to be Imminent. crumbling with Donald Trump, the, the master racist, making comment after comment after comment that boggle the boggle the mind. It's open mic night at the improv comedy workshop. Very quickly on Donald Trump, we'll give him a brain damage award. Last Thursday, uh, he was in New Hampshire on a loading dock of a shuttered lighting plant, reading his prepared remarks when he turned his attention to Mexico. was uh, courtesy of Charles Blow in today's uh, New York Times. That country's leaders are smarter than those in the United States, the presumptive presidential nominee said. Then, as the sound of a plane overhead drowned out his voice, Trump went off script. In fact, Mr. Trump said, pointing his finger towards the sky, it could be a Mexican plane up there. They're getting ready to attack. And what Charles Blow doesn't say in the article is that no doubt lots of people in that crowd laughed and cheered. Like, yeah! (laughs) Like, what kind of bizarre... The Mexican Air Force, man, they are a force. To yeah, be they're with. flying around New Hampshire, uh, the Mexican border. Donald is. We are watching you, Senor Trump. Yes, uh, at least fifteen hundred miles away, dude. Uh, I think you need to brush up on some geography, amongst uh, many of your other problems. But anyway, Mark Carney, the the bank uh, governor of the Bank of England, framed the stakes uh, back in April, saying that the prospect of British exit is the biggest domestic risk to financial stability because in part of the issues around uncertainty. Okay. Boy, that's a dynamic statement. (laughs) This is one of the leaders of the Remain campaign. Um, the British Central Bank has no ability, by the way, with with this unbelievable focus on monetary policy everywhere. They're talking about cutting interest rates. The interest rates are at a half percent, man. You can't cut them much more. It's not going to create any, quote, stimulus. And this is one of the major problems with economic performance I would argue, in both Europe and the United States uh, during this, uh, the last seven or eight years of the financial crisis. There's no ability or understanding that fiscal policy is needed, that stimulus needs to come from government. And, oh, how interesting that it turns out it's the EU that pays for job training in Great Britain. 
It's the EU that, that contributes to the film industry in Britain. So all of these economic realities, all of these actual problems that are going to eventually occur, were conveniently swept asunder in the campaign. Nobody talked about the real issues. Instead, it was immigration and quote-unquote sovereignty, whatever that means. And, of course, <clears throat> remain uh, <laughs> still a very unsatisfying slogan. Stonehenge beckons. Remain. You, you can't just tell people to sit tight or, you know, status quo. You've got to explain to them why the other thing's bad. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the way it works. So, yeah, there is. That's a failure. Well, there was certainly a failure of creativity in the remain political campaign. They didn't quite understand what they were dealing with. Uh, of course, when you're dealing with mendacity and fear-mongering, and then, of course, you use some fear-mongering of your own, uh, because that sure. certainly was one of the critiques of the Remain campaign, that all of these uh, perilous things would, would happen. I don't think they're going to happen quickly, because obviously Britain uh, is going to have great difficulty finding a leader to invoke Article 50. Um I don't know if Nick Farage is going to be the man to do it, but he's not in the British Parliament. He's just a hand grenade thrower that sits outside the gates of Brussels. Maybe the racist dude who used to host the Top Gear program on BBC can be the next prime minister. <laughs> well, they may have to find somebody. Doctor Who. <laughs> Doctor Who can do it. Or maybe uh, somebody... From one of the Charles Dickens novels, uh, maybe you can get the get get the Raven from Barnaby Rudge, <laughs> the Talking Raven, uh, inspired historically, by the way, by the Lord Gordon riots. Yes, the British Empire still stands, it twitching a little. Hasn't quite set. It's not quite dead yet. <laughs> To quote a uh, line from Monty Python and the Holy Grail, uh, but you kind of wonder what actually is going on over there. <laughs> it's it is it's a show at this point. It's almost become a um, survival survivor show. It can almost become a reality television show. I'm kind of surprised Rupert Murdoch hasn't come up with a show yet. Um, he's a TV mogul as well as a newspaper man. Always willing to print the truth and pursue his agenda, of course. Well, wasn't Trump's show on his channel? His, uh, well, yeah, and odd, oddly enough, he's actually a bit of a rival of Trump. He's been very oh, lu yeah. lukewarm to Trump, yeah. but uh, I think that's a personal rivalry. They're, they're too much alike. And it, it might be an ego thing, and another factor, and I don't know whether this is a fact or not, but... Donald Trump seems to have a trail of debts uh, littered around New York City that, that go a mile long. He's having trouble uh, getting any financing these days for anything because it turns out his business practices um, are a little on the shady side, uh, just to say the least. Well, one thing he doesn't have to worry about spending money on is uh, extra security at the Republican National Convention slated for Cleveland 
later this month. I'm reading here in the uh, new Harper's Index. Uh, value of a federal grant given to Cleveland for riot gear ahead of the RNC. $50,000 worth of riot gear for the police officers of Cleveland. I'm curious what tear gas will do to Donald Trump's hairdo. Because, you know, <laughs> the rumor is that one of the reasons he decided to run for president is that he claims, and I have no uh, way of... presidential hair? Well, no. One of the reasons that he actually is running is that he was upset about uh, his favorite hairspray uh, being, you know, having to deal with the aerosol regulations. And, of course, I only mention this because they actually mentioned last week scientifically that the ozone hole is being repaired uh, down in, uh, in, in Antarctica because of... Uh, because of the cutbacks in the harmful chlorofluorocarbons. Chlorofluorocarbon regulations. So sometimes regulations are needed. Uh, now, by the way, they, they interviewed many fishermen. This is another example of sometimes uh, appropriate re regulations or awareness of a problem regarding the fishing industry in, in uh, the North Sea. The cod, specifically. The British love their fish and chips. And the EU recommended that... Uh, they cut back on the catches because the fish were declining to such a point where they could not reproduce. Well, there's a lot of competition between British, Canadian, and Portuguese uh, fishing boats yeah. in that region. And they've sort of semi-officially amongst themselves uh, divided up this neutral space in the ocean. Um, but, yeah, it's overfished. It's overfished, and the reason that the cod has come back is... They wisely made some regulations to allow it to come back. So some of the regulations that uh, the, 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 the proponents of Brexit uh, were ranting and railing about, and that was one of them, uh, really sometimes are the smart thing to do. And, of course, the asylum problem in Europe is, is not Im imaginary. For instance, in the... Uh, May Harper's Index, since you mentioned that, it was interesting to note that the portion of asylum applicants in Europe who are men, three quarters, um, that's a, uh, a scary situation. And a couple of other interesting items that I wanted to mention. Percentage of people worldwide who trust print and broadcast news as a source of accurate information, 58%. Percent who trust search engines. <laughs> 63%. Search engines, are they biased? Uh, well, we've found out that they are. They use these analytics, these algorithms, to say this is what you need to look at because this is what other people are looking at. Follow the yellow brick road. Follow those lemmings over the cliff. Well, I mean, it's true that, that any presentation of information is going to have a bias. It's certainly true that in the print and TV media, there's all sorts of bias. Things are excluded. Things are favored. Uh, that's always going to be the way. It shouldn't be a surprise to anybody that search engines are the same. Just wanted to mention you are listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. And by the way, you know, the real way to get the American and European economies going is raising wages. Increasing pay, looking at the structure of corporate compensation and British 
uh, problems are very similar to the United States in terms of the disparity between wages that workers make versus what managers and owners of capital are paid. This is an interesting item.